Hey, on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, Amy Garnett, a managing director of Corva, that's California Off-Road Vehicle Association, will be joining us. This week in Jeep, we'll hear about an unwanted commonality in old Jeep Cherokee XJs. And Nikki G calls in, and did he really do that on the phone? Oh, and we got voicemails, and of course, much, much more. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain Off-Road Outfitter from Wrangler and Toyota Truck Parts. Stay tuned for their announcement on the latest JL Bill Throttle Out episode featuring Meredith Evasu and her mean mojito, JLU. Find the link in our show notes at jeeptalkshow.com. I'm glad you knew how to pronounce Majito or Majogo. I, I just I didn't have any idea what that word was. How do you say it again? Mojito. Mojito. I like that. See, I can't pronounce stuff. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never do anything but Jeeps. Uh, not a Toyota, Ben. Uh, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about, don't you say it, Jeeps. Jeeps, Jeeps. <laughs> howdy, Toyota. my name is, hey, shut up. Hey, my name is Tony, and I say howdy because I'm from Texas. Hi, I'm Brian, and I have a single purple shackle and a Viking tow hitch cap for sale. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben, and I no longer have a Jeep addiction. <laughs> That's all right. We'll fix that for tonight. <laughs> Sad man. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep. This week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Have all your co-hosts suddenly disappeared, and you need cheap replacements <laughs> on the double? Yes, you guys do. Amazon unfortunately doesn't have people for sale, but it does have virtually anything and everything you need for your Jeep, home, office, or wherever you are right now doing whatever you're doing. And <laughs> if you go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and press the big Amazon button, anything you purchase will give us a shot at a few pennies while costing you absolutely nothing. Remember, that's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look at, for that big Amazon button. And thanks for supporting the show. Longtime Rubicon veteran passes away. Many of you may not be familiar with the name Steve Morris, but he left this world in a way many of us Jeepers could be proud of. On his own turf, doing what he loved most. Morris, who lived in Sacramento, owned part of the Rubicon Trail and had been on 65 of 67 Jeepers Jamborees there. Morris was born on June 7, 1930 and bought his first Jeep in 1954, a Willys CJ2A. In the same year, he participated in the first Jeepers Jamboree on the Rubicon Trail and hasn't missed one since. He literally became a living legend on the trail. One of the trail's most difficult obstacles, Morris Rock, is named after him. Rock rollers in the Rubicons are popular who help Jeepers get through boulders on the trail. Stationed at key points along the way, rock rollers not only guide drivers, they often help lift and maneuver stuck vehicles and help prevent rollovers. As a rock roller himself, Steve would help vehicles get through the challenging part of the trail that he had that had his namesake. He had unparalleled eagerness to help people whenever they needed it. El Dorado County Parks Manager Vicki Sanders remembers Steve like this. When my father passed away five years ago, Steve told me he always wanted a daughter, so he adopted me. He, always, he was always kind, and he would do anything I needed. 
Sanders has known Morse since he, she began managing the Rubicon Trail about 20 years ago. She said he worked closely with her own various trail issues, volunteering his time to help keep the history and the trail intact. He was the most amazing giving man that I've met, ever met, Sanders said. In 1985, a group of 12 people, including Morris, purchased a part of the Rubicon Tr Springs on the Rubicon Trail just three days before it was going to be taken over by the U.S. Forest Service. Not only a trailblazer for the Rubicon, Morris also founded the California Association of Four-Wheel Drive Clubs in 1959 and served as a president until 1961. In 1966, he started the Lake Tahoe High-Low Club, where he and other volunteers in the community adopted and maintained trails in the Tahoe National Forest. All of his off-roading led him to be one of the six inducted this year in the, to the Off-Road Motorsports Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony will be held on November 3rd at South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. The Off-Roaders Motorsports Hall of Fame announced that they will honor they will also honor Morris's life and legacy at the award ceremony. Morris devoted his entire life to helping people, improving trails and forests, and being a pioneer on the Rubicon Trail. As he got older, Morris had to talk, had to be talked out of working with the rock rollers. He then turned his energy into giving history talks about the complete history of the Rubicon Trail dating back to hundreds of years. His son Rick Morris wrote a book in 2011 called Rubicon Springs and the Rubicon Trail. A history, Rick. A history. Rick had committed to giving the history talks in his dad' place, ensuring a legend and memory of the man and the region lived on for another generation. Steve Morris passed on July 27 after giving his annual Sunday morning history talk out on the famous trail. Jeepers Jamboree office manager Styles walks us through his last moments. She said, after he did his talk, he ate lunch. They asked if he wanted something to drink. He said, "I would like a scot. I would like some scotch." He had a sip, and he went through the, to, to the pearly gates. Rest in peace, Rock Roller. You will be missed. From all of us at Jeep Talk Show, our deepest sympathy go out to the Morris family. I wonder if they're doing uh, testing of that uh, scotch, because it sounds like you got some bad scotch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That, I that's think like he, a, was, he was ready. I don't think it was. he was ready. That's like a movie ending. I mean, that's like something you would have seen, uh, you know, from like the 40s, like Spencer Tracy is uh, out there on the trail and he takes that scotch and maybe tips it to the to the trail and then uh, passes away. I mean, what a beautiful life. I mean, it's it's sad anybody, anytime, anytime uh, somebody dies like that, but it, it, it's, it just sounds like he had a wonderful life and, and, and the passing away on the trail that you purchased and helped keep open and help people on, it's a wonderful ending. With a sip of yep, scotch. And, and that's lived, epic. And that's awesome. Yes, very much so. So this story's uh, more than a few months old. and In fact, it was so buried and hidden, we actually had to do some digging uh, to find the whole story. Look at us working on investigative journalism. Apparently, at one point uh, in February, Border Patrol agents seized a heavily modified Jeep Cherokee after smugglers uh, fleeing southbound got stuck on a vehicle barrier. So, according to reports, the agents working uh, a stretch of desert about four miles north of the U.S.-Mexico border discovered evidence of tracks from an off-road vehicle on the, oh my God, Cabez, help me out here, guys. Cabez Prius. Cabez Prieta National Wildlife Refuge. Excellent. What he said. 
Uh, this is not uh, an area where off-road vehicle tracks are supposed to be. They called in additional Border Patrol agents along with a helicopter crew to begin the search. They, they wanted this Cherokee. The helicopter crew spotted off-road vehicle in question speeding uh, towards the international boundary. The reports say the entire roof of the SUV was gone and most of the bodywork had been stripped away. The windshield had been replaced by a small metal screen and the whole thing was, <laughs> was outfitted with some sort of custom-made roll cage. It reminds me of Mad Max, one officer said in his report. Uh, inside the vehicle, the crew spotted 11 people, uh, what was thought to be several large bundles of marijuana. Go ahead, let that sink in for a minute. An older Jeep Cherokee, modified or not, were 11 adults in a freaking XJ plus bundles of weed. No wonder the roof was gone. They were probably stacked and piled in there like a game of pot and people uh, Jenga. The driver headed part of the border more than a dozen miles from uh, Lukeville, Arizona, where two large makeshift vehicle ramps were already in place over the border barriers. The driver attempted to drive over the barrier fences using the ramps but failed, dropping one of the rear tires off the ramp as he went up. The Jeep obviously became critically stuck on the large steel post and rail barrier. At that moment, the 11 occupants exited the vehicle, which was still halfway up the ramp, and fled into Mexico with the suspected marijuana. U.S. officials asked Mexican officials to deploy law enforcement in the area. This particular smuggling attempt may sound familiar to many of you. It resembles a similar uh, incident back in 2012. That one was near Imperial Sand Dunes as the driver attempted to drive it down another makeshift custom-made ramp. Granted, that one was a lot bigger, but still, it's interesting nonetheless. Why they keep coming back to the XJ as the preferred wall climbing vehicle is, uh, is your best guess and as well as mine. Maybe it's an XJ Ruba Chong. <laughs> Cheech and Chong. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, you know, actually, I think a, a Wrangler would have done a better job because uh, it would be a shorter wheelbase. They might have gotten up and over those walls. Yeah, definitely something with a shorter wheelbase and maybe something a little more reliable. Or lifted, even. I mean, you know, if, if they're dealing in uh, lots of money like that, you could at least put a lift on there. Well, you or definitely maybe they just kept the tunnels. That's a lot of digging, though. And there's the exhaust fumes. <laughs> if you got a news tip or have a response to any of our stories, make sure to let us know by phone or, or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Coming up in the show, all the way from California Off-Road Vehicle Association, Amy Granat joins us to talk about what it's like to be the managing director for Corva. Hey, guys. Good show tonight. Uh, two things. One, Travis, North Carolina Jeep Night, full willing for help kind of what I do. Uh, two, Tony, Josh, one of you are going to edit this, make it make more sense. <laughs> one, not two. One, Tammy, don't listen to negative feedback. You do a great job. You are just now wheeling. You've been in there for not many years. I don't know the date. But, girl, you were learning, you are getting it done, and you were doing it more than the other two hosts, which hey. I'm proud of you. Guys, get out of the trails more. I say that because I'm out never. Uh, got a Jeep, owned it since 89. Good old YJ. I say I've owned it since 89. It's an 89. I've owned it since 93. I build my little baby up. I do all I can, and I keep it going. Keep the show going. Have fun. Enjoy life, and keep entertaining me. Thanks, Travis. I'm out. <laughs> And the most important part, keep entertaining me. Well, we I'm sure glad that you're that you're being entertained, Travis, and thank you very much for calling in. 
You know, I know Travis. He's a great guy. He does that Boardwalk Billy's event. He does a lot of different uh, causes. Uh, he's a he does an amazing thing there out there in uh, the Charlotte area. He's a really good guy. So I added a podcast to my pod player the other day, only to find out that the latest episode was from 2015. Another pod-faded podcast. Well, you know, we've been doing this show since 2010. It's been hard sticking with it every week. It, you know, it didn't seem like many people were interested for a very long time. If you like your podcast, or if you like a podcast even, take the time to interact with it. Let your podcasters know that what they are doing is important to you. You know, it's really easy just to follow the podcast on their social media and share their post with your friends. It, it, it really, it's a share button. There's just, it's just really simple. The, the internet gods have made it really simple for you. You know, these podcasters will see your efforts and know they are making a difference in your life. It's very important. It's more important than getting money or fame or anything else. Just to know that you're listening and you care about the show. Remember, even podcasts that have been around for a long time can go away in an instant. Ben, I think you were uh, uh, commenting before the show that uh, on, on the Firearms Radio Network that you've actually run across uh, some some shows that just like, hey, where's the next episode, guys? Yeah, I, I've so outside of the Offroad podcast, I edit some podcasts too, um, and, and they've literally just faded away. Like they're not getting interactions, so they disappear. They're gone. Boom. No interest. I'm. I, why am I doing it? Yeah. You know. It, it's rough. Um, my podcast too. If I if I I quit doing little subjects or, or segments in the show because I'm not getting interactions with listeners over it. Okay, well then, why am I putting the effort into it? Right. Exactly. You, you have those black cloud days where it's like, why am I doing this? And every now and then, you you know, those listener emails, even if it's a hey guys, th- good show. It, it, it's something to keep us going. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, a quick tip involving greasable U-joints. It's not like it can be fun for the whole family. Hey, Ben and Tony, you know, when do you think you should choose? At what point do you bring in a professional mechanic? When I don't want to do it, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, for me, I think it boils down to four things. Uh, your knowledge, uh, your resources, you know, your time and your funds. You know, knowledge, if you're not sure, you, you can YouTube something, but it may not work out. And your resources, if it's something that requires a lift, uh, you may want to get one. And it's actually one that should be lifting things, not like the, the blocks and stuff. Time, do you have the time? Uh, what is your time worth? And then the funds, that always is the make or break. You know, is it worth the investment you drive it in? And if you don't do well with it and you end up breaking more, can you afford it? You know, and there's there's one thing, uh, it, it, and you know, you get a lot of advice from YouTube certified uh, mechanics online. A lot of times they'll tell you, don't spend the five hundred, the six hundred, the eight hundred dollars on that because you, the the part costs fifty bucks. It won't take you longer than an hour to to replace it. You know, bim baba bim, you're all done. And it sounds good, but do you have the tools? Which is kind of like the resources that you were just mentioning, right. Brian. Do you have the tools to do to, to do that? And sometimes it's it's more uh, it's not just an ice pick and a uh, adjustable uh, uh, wrench that you'll need to, to do it. Uh, and and sometimes to do it right, to do it in that thirty minutes or an hour, 
you need the special uh, tool that is necessary to do the job. So you need to add that into the price of what it's going to cost for you to do it as opposed to having a mechanic do it. Now, I personally, and, and it really was driven so many times over the years from like from age 16 to my current age, is that some of the stuff I just can't afford to, to pay somebody to do. You know, come hell or right. high water, I'm going to have to do it. Uh, I'm not going to spend that $1,000. I, I, you know, so when do you need a, when do you take it to a mechanic? In, in my case, uh, pretty much never. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. I think I, I, a lot of times uh, the newer Jeepers, when you're coming into, hey, I want to put a lift on or I want to, you know, put this new gadget on, whatever, uh, you see a lot of, you know, club builds. You know, they'll they'll get the club together. Oh, that's great. Get, you know, things to, you know, food and stuff and make it a social event. Um, and, and that's great. I see a lot of great clubs. It's just a big thing. Make sure you have that comfortability because, um, you know, it is your Jeep. Uh, it's your vehicle. And, you know, once they start working on it, I mean, because I've seen it go good and I've seen it go bad. And at the end of the day is, you know, if you're if you're letting someone work on your vehicle um, and you're getting free labor out of it, well, you know, if something doesn't work out, it, uh, yeah, you definitely want to make sure that someone in that uh, group definitely knows what they're doing. Actually have like a certified mechanic in the group even better uh, so you know that everything's suspect, you know, because there's a lot of different things that you have to look out especially when you're putting in a lift kit. I mean, it looks, it sounds simple and everything else. And again, the YouTube in is great, great advice and looks like it's just Legos, but there's a little bit more stuff to it. And you definitely want someone who's extremely familiar with that process uh, before you go driving around that. Hitting on that uh, YouTube thing. Some of those YouTubers out there, they'll leave stuff when they're editing um, out of the video. Um, we, when I did the gambler 500, we did, uh, we lifted a Volkswagen bug and we did the uh, timing belt on it. Um, we watched a YouTube video and they actually left out how to find your timing or, or be in the right spot for timing. <laughs> oh, man. And that's a little luckily, important. <laughs> that's it's massively important. Um, <laughs> yeah. Luckily enough, we were able to figure that out. But had we not realized it or been new to it, that could have been bad. Is that one of those was that what inter uh, what do they call it interference engine where stuff will touch other things if it's not if the timing's not right? Um, I, I can't remember, but it, it's still messed up timing. That that could be disastrous. That day. Yeah. yeah, that could have been really bad. Um, and that's our five hundred dollar vehicle to go run the Gambler five hundred, mm -hmm. and that was really bad. Um, yeah, I've. It, it can be scary sometimes with those YouTube videos. I watch a couple of them now before <laughs> it's something I'm oh, yeah. not quite comfortable with. Uh, I, I want to see what's going to happen. And uh, three Ugga Duggas is not a torque wrench. <laughs> <laughs> How about a, a three Ugga Duggas and a passing gas? <laughs> you can only MacGyver so much. <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking you to check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and for good reason. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours. Tell your friends, too. we got something for everyone at the 4x4network.com. How about On the Trail podcast? How about Trail, Trail Chasers is there? The Center Steer podcast is a lot of fun, too. And don't forget about Dan and the 4x4 podcast. Lots of great off-road off shows, and it's all for free. Free. And it's at the 4x4 Radio Network. We'll see you there. 
I've got a 2015 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon uh, stock basically with BF Goodrich mud tires that I routinely take out on the highway uh, back and forth to work at 80 miles an hour. And I'm wondering if the 80 mile an hour speed is causing any undue wear and tear on the uh, gears since Rubicon is more geared for off-road travel than highway speeds. Um, let me know if you can. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Well, Eddie, thanks for calling in. And uh, I would say no. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, ben, what do you think? I, th- I think it's perfectly fine to take your, your Rubicon, your your stock Rubicon out on the highway at 80 miles an hour, as long as the, you're, you're not uh, breaking any laws. In short, no, it won't do any damage. Um, and uh, I, I've I done faster, and uh, it wasn't a <laughs> it wasn't a Rubicon, but still, I've done faster. Even even your old muscle cars, um, they would run like four tens and stuff. So yeah. you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, you have a Rubicon, don't you? I do have a Rubicon 2008. Uh, that's what Root is. And um, I've been known to achieve Tammy speeds, uh, but without the blue and red behind me. So uh, I think you'll be okay. I got almost, in fact, I'm over 190,000 miles this week. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, the, the thing, as far as the gearing goes, the thing you have to keep in mind is the, the Rubicon uh, transfer case uh, has a kind of a higher, higher gearing when you're in four-wheel drive low. But four-wheel drive high, which is what you would be in on the highway, it should be perfectly fine for, for whatever highway speeds uh, that you want to go. Um, obviously, there's going to be wear and tear anytime the vehicle is being used. But as far as undo wear and tear, no, I don't think you'll have any problem at all. Coming up later in the show, Nikki G. You know, we got a review from uh, Apple Podcast, and uh, this is going to be contrasting, uh, quite a contrast, actually, <laughs> from the, the two-star review we got last week. This re- review is from, uh, what is that, Hand, uh, Handy, Handy, I guess, H-A-N-A-D-I. Uh, I'm just going to call her Jeep Girl. Uh, Jeep Girl gives the show five stars, as well she should, and says, best podcast I listen to the Jeep Talk Show uh, as much as possible. I love listening and feel like I'm there in the studio with you guys. LOL, great show. Uh, and I just that's just wonderful. I love that. You know, we've we've gotten a lot of uh, recent reviews on Apple Podcasts, and uh, most of them are really good, Ben. That's always good when you, you get a, a good review, and even the negative reviews, hey, it means they're listening, right? Absolutely, and they took the time uh, to reach out. And, you know, sometimes when you get the uh, the constructive criticism, it really helps the show. Yeah, anything that, you you know, constructive criticism like that, it's always nice to hear because, hey, I can improve my show this way. I'm going to try if I care. Now, Brian, I know you don't have a podcast like Ben and I, but uh, I, I suspect that you get reviews by your wife. Uh, have you recently received a good review? Um, you know, I think I do okay there. Yeah, she's still with me, so yeah, I think I do okay. That's not but a review. I think one of the big things with y'all is uh, don't be afraid to reach out as, as a listener because I was a listener before, you know, obviously we, we became connected and, and, you know, my business and all that. Uh, so don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, you know, this this is something for the whole community. So your contribution helps the community get better. You got a business, uh, Brian? What what when the hell did this happen? Oh man, what's up, man? Route one six <laughs> off road recognize. <laughs> it just dawned on me. You hadn't even mentioned the, the the show. You said, yeah, I'll be a guest host, but I got to uh, mention my show every two point five seconds, and you haven't mentioned it once. What happened? 
Hey, you know what? I, I'm here for you guys. People, I, you know, I, the big thing, like I shared with you before, is you know, this show has definitely helped me, and people reach out to me. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, they know I'm kind of your Jay Leno, so it's all good. <laughs> Route one six. You can reach me at root one six at gmail dot com. No, Ben, he's referencing <laughs> that uh, when when we have a, we, I can't get a guest, or maybe a guest cancels. I'll, uh, I'll I'll contact Brian on Facebook chat and say, "Hey Brian, can you help help a brother out? I need a guest tonight." And he goes, "Yeah, sure, I'll come in." <laughs> so he's kind of uh, like the he's kind of like the 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 guest the the standby guest for Johnny Carson. So so he doesn't message you saying, "Hey, where's my sticker?" No, no, not at all. I, actually, you <laughs> you you had a bunch of stickers, didn't you, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I tell you, like, I love handing those things out. We put your banner up uh, at events. Um, yeah, it's been really good. It's been really good. And obviously, Tammy, she comes out to the Caroline Trails uh, invasion. So, and they just went to Roush Creek. So, we helped build that relationship. So, it, it's really good. I've done nothing but enjoyed uh, being a part and contributing to the show where I can. And a lot of people listen to it. And I'm definitely out there trying to advocate more Jeepers to listen to it, especially when they're getting into it. A lot of great information here. You see that, Ben? He's not just bitching about getting a free sticker, he actually does stuff for the show. <laughs> oh, hey, I, I comment and share your guys' posts. Sometimes oh, okay. I steal them and share them on my own oh, page. You, but you, know. you have to steal. You have to steal <laughs> memes. I think it's so funny. I saw the one the other day where it says, "You know, here's the meme when I post it. Here's the meme when somebody else posts it, and it just shows all this immense activity." I, I thought that was so funny and, and so very true. Yeah, I get spiteful about that sometimes. <laughs> You're not the only one. Hey, you know, we have stickers, Ben. We've got stickers. Uh, only 100, so we have a, a limit of two per request to send your self-addressed stamped envelope, and we'll send you two 2.5-inch. These are special size, the eeny, beeny, teeny little stickers. Uh, Jeep Talk Show stickers, perfect size for that fender on your Jeep. Jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to contact us and request our mailing address. And if you don't I think know, you only have 98 because I think Ben's getting two of those already, no, actually, right? Actually, nobody has uh, has sent in a, an SAE uh, yet. Uh, we've got, uh, I've had two requests, but I haven't seen any envelopes yet, so we still have 100 of them. Are you running out of time for all that tech talk? Uh, yes, I am quite busy, Mr. Voice out of nowhere. Then how about a quickie? Oh, geez, I don't know. We just met. I'm really not that kind of... It's time for Just the Tip. Oh, well, you could have at least just bought me a drink first or something. Oh, hey, watch it. Oh, what are you doing back there anyways? Grease those joints. It's sometimes hard to reach the Zerk fittings on the greasable U-joints once they're installed in the dry shaft. But have you ever tried to grease a U-joint that's not installed inside the yoke? You start pumping away and the U-joint caps just shoot off into the sandy gritty pile of debris in the corner of the garage. Awesome. To properly pre-lube your U-joint before installation into the vehicle, grab a big C-clamp, a giant pair of channel locks if you have some that big, or use a vise and use it to hold the U-joint caps into the trunnions as you pump the grease in. Go until the seals just start to purge the grease, and then you can remove the clamp and install your properly lubricated U-joint. That's a good idea. I've actually, uh, I'm usually installing the, the U-joint in whatever it is, the axle or the, uh, the drive shaft, and I'll actually take the, the lube and put it inside the cap uh, when I'm putting it on. So uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it properly lubed, but it, it, it's added some lube, especially the ones that are sealed. 
the ones that you can't uh, uh, pump up, or you can't. I guess you can with the little needle, uh, the little needle grease thing that that you can do. But uh, just adding a little bit in the cap uh, while you're installing them will uh, will often do a little bit better job than what the factory grease was in there. You can always tape them too. True. A little electrical oh, tape goes a long yeah. ways. Anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk? Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a thing with big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. So I'm feeling kind of thirsty. Know what I could go for right now? How about a nice summery drink, something refreshing, like a mojito? Well, here at the Jeep Talk Show, we frown upon drinking and driving. So as an alternative, Meredith Efesu from Extreme Terrain has produced her most recent Throttle Out episode published just the other day, featuring a very lucky and very green mojito JLU Sport. Mayor's goal was to create a daily driver that wouldn't break the bank while incorporating some nice functional styling pieces like armor, bumpers, and rock sliders because that beautiful mojito green is too pretty for tree or rock rash. Find a link in today's Jeep Talk Show notes on episode 397 and leave Mayor a comment about what you think of her hand-picked parts from our friends at ExtremeTerrain.com. Atlas 46 is a premium American-made brand that specializes in work gear for all trades, including a line of specialized gear for off-roading. It's all made in the USA, with even raw materials used being sourced here in America. Innovation and customer feedback helps develop essential gear for all situations. These products are built to last and are backed by a lifetime guarantee. You can test out their products for 46 days and still get your money back, no matter the condition it's in. Get your gear today. Now through Labor Day, all Jeep Talk Show listeners will get a free shipping on their order from atlas46.com with the promo code, code JTS10, all one word, JTS10. Visit atlas46.com and use promo code JTS10. The offer expires September 2nd, so visit atlas46.com, promo code JTS10. You know, I love this brand so much, I would like to provide a gift from Atlas 46 for the 16th caller and the Jeep Talk Show hotline post the show. You must be 18 years of age or older. Your mailing address must be in the continental United States. You may only call in once per giveaway. Any required word or phrase must be said exactly and completely the first time. Your call must include your caller ID. One chance to win per individual per giveaway. All these rules must be followed unless otherwise stated. Failure to follow these rules will disqualify you from being eligible for the giveaway. We will contact you with a text message at the number you called from. Good luck, Jeeper. There will be an Atlas 46 McHenry 5-hook hanging system. Perfect for the Overlander, Camper, Trail Chaser, Jeeper. McHenry 5-hook hanging system is the perfect solution to the need for more hanging space. Adaptable to hang where you, where and how you need it. Perfectly designed for the camping, workshop, job site, or any other hanging situation. The strap is 50 inches long and 2 inches wide. It features 5-hook setup to hang anything from clothes to bag to boots. Loop hangers allow a variety of hanging options over hooks, over rods, etc. Loop, lower loop can be used to adjust the overall length. Two-inch mil-spec nylon construction with reinforced stitching. Again, handcrafted in America. Lifetime guarantee. Now, what is this? Is this something you put on the wall or a, a hook you in can, the garage? You can hang or? it anywhere. Like, you know, put it on a tree, put it on your Jeep, 
you know, it, it's really great system. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely go to atlas46.com. Uh, I'll put the, make sure you have the link for the show notes for that specific item there. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty amazing. I'll it's check, perfect. I definitely want one. I'll have to check I'm that out. One. How much are those things? Do you recall? 20 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Even if you don't win it. No, it's it, great. <laughs> so you can afford to get one. Can use that. <laughs> that's great. Especially bucks. with the quality that they, they have over there at Atlas. They just do build wonderful looking things. I want one of everything they have. Hey, guys, it's Captain Gopay up in upstate New York, and I'm just calling regarding uh, that uh, guy up in, uh, I'm not sure where he said he was from, but anyways, he was criticizing Jeep Mama and her uh, her uh, ways of explaining people or explaining things. Sorry, it's like 2 in the morning, and uh, I'm catching up on uh, uh, Jeep talk show stuff. Excellent. Anyways... Um, I'd like to say that uh, I think that uh, Jeep people do their own things and uh, that uh, Tammy's doing her own thing and she's quite an inspiration for a lot of uh, women in the uh, Jeep world and she's quite an inspiration for um, my 13-year-old daughter. Um, She's special needs, but my uh, 13-year-old thinks the world is Tammy and... uh, I just want to say that I think that uh, Tammy's doing a great job, and I'm sure this guy is probably listening to the show every week, and he's probably just spouting off. Hope you guys are having uh, a good week, and uh, keep doing a great job. We'll talk to you soon. You know, you got to figure for every uh, hateful thing that somebody says about you or to you, uh, there's some folks out there that don't feel that way. Uh, and they may not have even told you anything, but they're they're looking up to you. They're uh, proud that they know you. So be sure of yourself and just be yourself. Right on. You do you, right? That's right. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty ho, boys and girls. You know the uh, <laughs> you know th- those words mean another interview from the Jeep Talk Show. And uh, tonight we're going to have Amy, who is the managing director of the California Off Road Vehicle Association, or better known as Corva, uh, and she's been uh, in that position since 2011. Amy rediscovered her love for four wheeling and becoming uh, after becoming disabled, and even met her husband Joe on the trail. His uh, Jeep followed her truck, and the rest was history. Uh, when Amy started wheeling around the state and saw all the roads and trails threatened with closure, she knew she had to find a group that would fight for her right and the rights of everyone else to travel off-road. Corva is the organization that is dedicated to fighting for OHV in California. Corva is celebrating their 50th anniversary in 2020 of avoc- uh, advocating for off-road and off-road opportunities throughout California. Corva preserves, promotes, and protects off-road recreation by working with the legislative, legal, and political arenas uh, with all levels of government from local to federal. And you can check out, uh, get more information on Corva by checking out their website at www.corva.org. Amy, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was great meeting you uh, at the uh, the Nexon uh, Tire, the uh, I think it was the Nexon uh, Tire uh, Extreme Rock Crawling event 
with uh, a, a total number of about uh, eight people <laughs> that were there, and two of those people were from Nexon. So it was a very a very small group, and we had a, a very good time. At least I did. Uh, fed good and uh, just beautiful scenery. Uh, although I think you're probably used to it being in California. Here from Texas, uh, we're not too used to very many mountains, but uh, it was uh, it was a great event. And uh, had a lot of fun with uh, with uh, driving the, the vehicles with the Nexon tires. Now you're actually uh, obviously in California. What part of California are you are you in? We're located in Sacramento, where Corva is also based in Sacramento, which is also the state capital. Besides being the state capital, which is the center of the political world in California, uh, the headquarters for the BLM uh, is about mm, roughly ten minutes away from where we live and. Uh, the Forest Service does have uh, a headquarters here as well, but a larger one that's closer to the Bay Area, about 45 minutes away. So it's really the nexus of where everything happens. Now, were you in that uh, uh, in Sacramento before, or did you move there uh, when you went to work for Corva? I was here before I went to work for Corva. I, I moved here in the early 2000s, and started working with Corva about 2004, actually, before I was on the board of directors and quickly realized that uh, we were near Sacramento, but at, not in Sacramento. It was very important to be here. It's very important to be near the Capitol, near state parks, uh, near various legislators whenever you want to visit them, near the power brokers that be oh that absolutely determine our future yeah absolutely i was uh, i was just going to ask that about corva if they uh, uh that almost seemed like you'd have to have it right there where the where the folks that you need to deal with every day are so uh let me back up real quick because i, I want to find out some more information you're you're in california have you been in california all your life or uh, i seem to remember you saying you moved you've moved around a, a bit no i traveled all over the world i was born in new york uh traveled uh, a lot i i left with a backpack literally uh, when I was 18, traveled around the world. I've lived in um, a couple of different countries overseas. I've lived in Texas for 10 years. That's right. uh, I lived in New Mexico for two years and uh, three different places in California. Yeah, that's right, because I was actually able to mention some places in Texas, and you knew exactly what I was talking about, which I was really impressed, <laughs> especially well, anytime you know about Conroe and uh, these these smaller towns around Texas. My daughter was born in Conroe, Texas, so she is a native-born Texan. Uh, there's not very many of those, uh, especially in the 80s when everybody was moving here to uh, uh, take construction jobs. Uh, being a native Texan was very rare. So let me ask you this. Uh, now, uh, you, in your intro, we, we talked about you having a truck, but you have a Jeep now, don't you? We have two Jeeps. Um, we are old school. We have an 83 CJ7, and we have a 90 YJ. Oh, very nice. Uh, I, I like the YJ. So the YJ still has the rectangular headlights, right? Oh, it still does. It's the source <laughs> of, of much consternation, <laughs> argument. I think it's beautiful. Uh, my husband, not so much. Well, but, no, that, that's, you know, it's a YJ. It has to have the rectangular headlights. That's what it, that's what it is. So that's that, why I was asking because I actually saw somebody change the front end of their YJ uh, on Facebook and they put uh, you know, the round headlights. It was probably a, a TJ uh, grill or something with the round headlights. And I thought to myself, why? It, it needs to be a YJ. I mean, people can see those, uh, those front leaf springs and know what it is. So, uh, no, uh, you can. You can put a CJ front on it. Actually, there's a lot of parts that are interchangeable between CJs and YJs because of the same inline six um, engine mm -hmm. uh, they both came with. But I think beauty is in the eye of the beholder. 
and I think the square headlights are beautiful. It still has a seven-slot grill. Absolutely. And if you look at some of the newer Jeeps now, I uh, had the, the pleasure of looking at a beautifully built-up uh, JL and trying to find the connection between the JL and the CJ7. And really, there is none other than that the uh, seven-slot grill in yeah, the front. Yeah, it really, it really it. has. Yeah, it really has changed a lot. Of course, the World War II uh, Willys Jeeps uh, are, I, I really didn't realize until relatively recently how small those things were, which makes sense because they, you know, the military had to transport them thousands of miles. But uh, I think it was sitting next to a golf cart and they were about the same size. I was just shocked at how much change has gone in from the Jeep from uh, its its roots to where it is now. Well, and it, it will be, it's an icon for the off-road community. It will constantly change and I think evolve as people evolve, which is exactly what the sport should do because oh, yeah. it should reflect what the people want it to reflect. But we still love our CJ. Um, it was featured on the cover of Peterson's Off-Road one time as the last of the ugly Jeeps. <laughs> and dare literally, <laughs> Joe's Jeep was on the cover. And I wrote to the a letter to the editor saying exactly what I said before. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But more than that, it's the capability to take you where you need to go and make sure that you get back home safely. It doesn't and matter what it looks like. It matters how it operates and where it gets you to. Exactly. So that, that's that's a perfect way of looking at it. So I think I think you've answered the question already. Uh, which one is your Jeep? I got the feeling that the YJ, <laughs> the YJ. <laughs> is it. I got the feeling that was Joe's. I don't know from something that he was no. talking about at, at the event. Oh, that's very interesting. So uh, he, he he wheels the uh, the CJ and you wheel the YJ. He's had the CJ. Uh, it actually has an eighty six engine in it at the moment. It, it's uh, an eighty three uh, according to the registration CJ seven, and he has had it since. Um, he was the second owner, I think, 84 or 85. But I t- do tell people if he had to choose between the Jeep and me, it would be close. <laughs> I, a, I think horrible. it went out, but I'm not going to try and, and do that calculation. You know, We're not going to put it to the test. Yeah, so uh, we have a thing here on the show, uh, although Tammy isn't with us tonight. She has a black Jeep, and my Jeep is very red. So uh, I'll give you a clue. Red is good. Black is bad. All the other colors, yeah, they're okay. So what color is your YJ? Black. I'm sorry. That's okay. That was the wrong answer, Amy. Red would have been the right answer. Any bright color would have been the right answer. <laughs> was now, that- Joe's Jeep is an indeterminate color. It did start out as a white Laredo, and now... I'm not sure that it has a color between the dents, the Bondo, the uh, attempts at straightening out the frame. He claims it's still white, but you'd be hard-pressed to find an actual color on it. Yeah, that's uh, well, I'm sure it works very well off-road. So uh, let's talk about the Nexon tires here real quick. That was why we were at the event, uh, a very nice event. I was uh, very honored to be invited out there by, uh, by Don, uh, Jeep 4x4 School, and uh, Nexon Tire USA, Paul, uh, from Nexon Tire. And uh, it, it was great meeting you guys and being there, and, and especially getting off-road and getting a little uh, wheel time there in the, uh, the TJ with the 37-inch 
Nexon uh, Rodian MTX tires. Now, um, I, I know Joe uh, is what you've told me. He's the the expert in the family. But but uh, do you have a? Did you get a feel for the the Nexon tires? What did you think of them? The most interesting part for me was looking at how people wheeled in them, uh, especially. Um, having two drivers who are relatively new, and that is a Black Diamond Trail that we were on. So um, drivers that are a little bit more tentative. And what I, I saw the Nixon tires doing was almost giving the drivers more confidence because they didn't slip. They didn't show any weakness. In other words, when you're going over an obstacle, you may be a little tentative, so you may stop and go and stop and go and make sure your wheels are in the right place. And sometimes what I've seen before, especially if there's very silty, uh, fine layer of sand, um, which happened to be on the Gold Mountain Trail at the time because it hadn't been rain uh, up to that point really recently, there rain the week after we were there, um, you'll slip. And I didn't see it, and I was looking for that because I've seen a lot of people slip on rocks and on obstacles, and um, it's always distressing, and it's happened to me. And it, it made all of you, all of you looked better for using the tires. You couldn't tell that you were maybe newer off-roaders or newer rock crawlers. Everyone really looked good like they knew what they were doing <laughs> so and, that, that's a great that's a great uh, tagline next in tires use them because it'll make you look good <laughs> well it it made i think it was easier to go over the obstacles then again 37 inch tires that's a large tire mm-hmm. I and mean, we have 35 inch tires on cj so um but 37 inch tires they do give you a little bit of an edge, but not sure. that much of an edge. You could still have lousy 37-inch tires. Um, these were very capable, and we took them a little bit different terrain, uh, but certainly plenty of opportunity on rocks. And Joe especially was wanted to really test them out. So the majority of the trail he did in two-wheel drive. Um, <laughs> and you, I don't think anyone else knew that. Don, Don knew because he guessed. But... <laughs> He used the lockers only when necessary and very, very little because he wanted to see how far he can push them. And as critical as he is, he didn't have any complaints. Yeah. So we we were very favorably impressed and we've seen every tire possible on very difficult trails from we live not that far from the Rubicon. Uh, it's certainly very accessible to us and so every Black Diamond Trail in California we've been on, um, and I would have no problem recommending, highly recommending these. I really do think that if you know your tire can handle the obstacle, it, it's the one variable that people have sometimes on a vehicle, and and they don't realize it because it's the one, the biggest change that they're making. Yes, you can have lower gears. Um, which makes it a lot easier, but you lose your grip with the tire. And, and I guess you can equate it to, um, slipping if you're walking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because the, the tires are so important because that's what's mm-hmm. contacting the ground. That's what's right. what's tra- traversing you. And, and and correct me if I'm wrong here because I, I'm still new to this rock crawling thing. Because I'll tell you, it was it was easy as pie. I mean, there was I had no issues with that at all, other than trying to turn the wheel sometimes when I was up against the rock. Uh, it was just very simple to do, and I I didn't feel uh, out of control or concerned at all. Of course, it helped that it wasn't my Jeep and a. <laughs> I knew that if something happened, I, it wasn't me that was going to have to be fixing it. But uh, but anyway, it was just it was so much fun and so easy. Um, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The slippage is kind of like it it screws up your line, and it also mm-hmm. it also can make you feel uh, like wonky because it's like oh my god, what's going to happen? And you have to stop and then collect yourself and then and then uh, try again uh, to move ahead. So that that not slipping is is very good for maintaining your line and also to uh, i guess your courage yeah exactly and especially here in northern california we have um, a variety of terrain in big bear too because it's at altitude but we do have rain we do have snow and uh, these are mud terrains and they're literally designed for um, wet weather and I have no doubt that they would perform as well in, in a um, in a damper, wetter situation. We yeah. do have snow wheeling on the Rubicon in the winter. Um, and although it's not, well, it can get very deep, actually. Um, all in all, it's not a heavy tire, so you're not putting too much weight on your vehicle. And that's also important in the scheme of things because you want your, your Jeep or your four-wheel drive vehicle to be nimble and, and not weigh you down. I know that lately with the overlanding um, people, they put a lot of stuff on their Jeeps. Right. That's what we have a truck camper for, so we don't have to put a lot of stuff in there, in our Jeep. No, and, no, no. I, and actually, I remember Joe talking about that. He likes keeping his Jeep very light so that uh, mm-hmm. you can get over things. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think we could talk about wheeling and uh, especially these Nixon tires, which I was very impressed with just simply from, from driving it and it being so easy to go over the stuff, which was part Jeep. But it, like I said before, the, the tire is very important because that is the, the part that contacts the surface of where your Jeep's trying to go. Uh, but and also, too, from all the, the stellar reports that I got from you guys uh, with a lot more experience than me. So uh, but anyway, we could talk a long time about that. But I want to switch gears over to Corver real quick, if you don't mind. No, there's one thing I did want to say, too, is that there are a lot of companies in the off-road world, and we all have choices of, of who we want to purchase from. The integrity of the company itself, I feel, is as important as the integrity of the product. And I was really impressed with the dedication of the gentleman from Nexon wanting to keep trails open, wanting to contribute yes. to the company, and understanding that the issues we face are real. They're real. They're serious. Um just one of the trails we were on that day, I got a call a week afterwards from Don, and it is um, have there are some issues on it, and it's proposed possibly to be closed. Oh, my goodness. That's how serious these issues are. So you want a company that's going to support you 
when you're going out there and fighting these fights as well. Yeah, and I think they were one of the supporters of the trail that we were on. I remember seeing a Nexon mm-hmm. little placard on one of the trails that we were on. Actually, I think Paul from Nexon pointed it out to me. <laughs> well, you know, he's proud of it. So Absolutely. It's there. Yeah, but, uh, but it certainly is. I, you know, I was just in seventh heaven, just out there on the trail and in this uh, nice TJ. So uh, it was it was good that he pointed it out, but I still think it's funny. Hey, it looks like there's one of our signs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Corva, now uh, let, let's roll it back here for a second. You've been uh, in Corva since uh, uh, 2011. Well, I've been on the board of directors since 2006. In 2004, we actually started something. Um, what we noticed, and there are a group of us in Corva, we work as a group because no one person can do all of this and be successful. Right. But we noticed among off-roaders that there was a real lack of information and education on how trails were being closed. So we started teaching classes called the Corva Commons Projects classes because federal and state agencies, at least state agencies in California, every state has a little different process for this, but the federal process is called NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act. And in order to make a difference, um, Forest Service or BLM will issue these proposals, which are analyses, and you have to submit substantive comments. But if you say to the average off-roader, you know, we want you to submit a substantive comment. They're going to go, <laughs> what? What is that? And and so we had to educate ourselves. And there were a group about five, six, seven off-roaders actually located all over the state. And we did that process and we became educated and we started teaching. So there'd be three or four of us teaching a class. And so far, we've taught between five and 600 people. And we wow. teach everyone. We don't just teach off-roaders, we've taught equestrians, we've taught mountain bikers, we've taught some representatives from environmental and conservation groups as well, because we don't turn anyone away. And more importantly, we've taught a lot of people from federal agencies, because they don't always know uh, exactly what they're doing. They'll have one or two experts among their staff, but the average line officer doesn't always understand how these analyses work. So, that's how we started. And we actually went to different organizations and said, will you support our educational classes? Because we didn't have a dime. And only Corva said yes. Everyone else said, well, we're not sure if it's necessary. <laughs> but when we do things in the off-road community, so often we lose the opportunity to make a difference because we don't think out of the box. And in this case, it has proved, it has made an amazing difference. And it's not so much that I'm plugging what we did as if I'm in constant admiration of the skills of off-roaders. They're the ones who are writing the comments. We don't tell them what to write. We tell them how to write. Right. And, and the comments that they have come up with, uh, rock hounds in particular, and I don't know if you have a lot of active rock hounds. I think you do in Texas. But here we have a very active group of, of rock hounds who are very dedicated to land use. They use the same roads and trails as other off-roaders do. Mm-hmm. They just go out there for a different reason. And they write great comments, and they've made a huge difference, especially in the California desert. They've literally kept areas open, and they will bug officials and call them every day, politely. <laughs> and remind them that they're there and remind them that they need to be listened to so much so that we did get a call one time from 
Senator Feinstein's office asking us to just tell them it's okay. We heard them. We hear you. Enough. Oh my God, enough. Enough. And that's how dedicated you really that's have to great. be. Right. No, that, if you get people involved like that, that's absolutely a wonderful thing. You know, I can't help but wonder. Uh, and you may not want to answer this, and this is fine, but is, is Corva looked as kind of a thorn in the, the legislative body's side? It, it almost sounds like you guys can be a real pain in the ass. I think we're all things, and it, it's difficult because, one, we're nonpartisan, so we don't take a, a side Good, in, yeah. in the political argument because it doesn't matter to us. I, right. I think it's the ability of everybody to get together behind one issue is – do you support off-road recreation? Do you support off-highway vehicle recreation and and access? So it doesn't matter what letter you have after your name. It matters how much you support off-roading. So we talk to everyone. We find dirt bikers among Democrats, among Republicans, well, uh, Jeepers, yeah. among everybody. And so we try to bring out the commonality of, of all the politicians but we're pretty stubborn, I, I would have to say. We we you can't we can't let go because we have so many people depending on us and, and the responsibility for what we do. Um, it really does weigh heavily at, at times. Um, so I may know one thousand, two thousand off roaders, but by forest service figures in California, there are anywhere from seven to eleven million off-roaders who self-identify as, as off-roaders. We have anywhere between ten and twelve percent of all off-roaders in the United States uh, either reside or come here to recreate. So, Corva may be in California only, but it, there's a lot of people here. And there's a lot of opportunities here, and we need to protect all of them. That said, what happens in California does reflect in other areas. So we also have that responsibility. So is there a, a group or some groups that you that you have particular issues with, uh, or maybe they have issues with Corva, like uh, uh, the, the people that don't want, want anybody on the, the, the land with perhaps hikers? Is is that a thing? It is it's, it's interesting because the average person on the ground, no matter what they do, most of the time, they don't really care what anybody else does. And it's a fallacy that people put out there. But groups like the Wilderness Society uh, is one of the worst public employees for environmental responsibility or peer. Um, there are so many of these groups and they're rather elitist if i can say that and <laughs> a, a little se self-righteous at times and they do believe that they are smarter and better than we are because they are non-motorized they've actually convinced federal agencies to put a special um emphasis on quiet recreation <laughs> and it's a term i really have a problem with because my jeeps are not very noisy you you can't settle down over there you're making too much noise i mean i mean come on it's outside well, actually some judges have gone along with this and it is a pet peeve because off-roaders aren't a monolithic community we don't just do one thing in one way yes one time we may not like to rock crawl, another time you're just going to take your family out for a picnic right. and, and look at the birds and the bees and the butterflies. So 
it's really a miscalculation on on their part and i think we're tr- we're starting to get our point across that we are not all the same we don't do all the same things but that access is really for all americans Absolutely. and it shouldn't just be for the special few that said wilderness designation is a killer for recreation the wilderness designation is the worst of any designation that can be made for public land. And I know most people will be surprised to hear that because that's not the way it's sold. But it, by design, eliminates access to uh, areas. There's some wildernesses, especially near Lake Tahoe, that have a lot of trails and are very busy. But on a whole, you have to be able-bodied, You have to have money for the right equipment to go in in some of the larger wilderness areas because there are no facilities there. There's no one to call. There's no cell phone coverage. So you have to come prepared. And it's sold as somehow we need these wild spaces protected. And yet there's constantly a call for more and more wilderness and saying, well, this is pristine. The reason why it's pristine is because the designation that it currently has works and has kept it that way it doesn't mean it needs to be changed and wilderness is a very elitist attitude that basically says we don't want you to go there and the groups that push wilderness very much act in that way which um i don't take kindly to i almost get get the feeling uh and this may not be fair but i'm gonna say it anyway i almost get the feeling that they're they're in their ivory tower with a nice big picture window and they're looking out at this wilderness and just enjoying the way it looks and they're not really interested in actually going out there and and enjoying it in person the way really the earth should be enjoyed because i mean come on it's it's beautiful i mean i uh, there in california in the mountains and the sky was so blue and the rocks were so big. It was just wonderful. And, and, and seeing pictures of it or seeing it at a distance isn't the same. You, you have to get out there and get in it. So uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know why they think the way they do. And I, I wish they wouldn't do those things. Um, is there, now, you mentioned about the, the, educating the Jeepers about where they can uh, write in a, substance, a substantive argument uh, and, and submit that. What else can Jeepers do uh, in, in, in the area just when they're out on the trails and stuff? I'm thinking along the lines of don't be a nuisance. Don't leave trash. Pick stuff up if, you, if there is trash. Even if it's not your trash, pick it up. Uh, you know, don't, don't leak fluids on the trail. Uh, clean it up if you do. Uh, but what, what, what can, uh, can uh, off-road people be good stewards? How, how can they uh, make it easier for Corva to do their work? Well, all the things that you mentioned. And most people know those. Most people know pack it in and pack it out. And that uh, actually goes for any form of recreation, including hiking, equestrian. Um, some of the trails actually, ironically, in the, worst ca- in, the, in the worst condition now in California, the John Muir Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail that are both hiking trails. So because, ironically, non-motorized enthusiasts aren't taught the same thing as we teach our um our children and and our fellow jeepers pack it in pack it out be good stewards of the land but more than that i think it's an understanding that everyone who is in a jeep is an ambassador for your form of recreation even if you don't get out that often so it's up to you to think about what do we want to portray Mm -hmm. i'm all for the first amendment is a 
very important. I think everyone deserves freedom of speech. But kind of watch, you know, sometimes we take pride in, in figuratively poking somebody else or poking <laughs> fun at somebody else. Um, that's something I think as we get older, we can smile at it, but we know it's not appropriate. Our faults get magnified. So anything that we do that is, is deemed inappropriate gets somehow picked up on the press. People are going to talk about it. It's going to reflect badly in our community. I, I don't think Corva or any organization wants to stifle anybody's uh, imagination, their experience on the trail. But there's also a responsibility that comes along with that recreation, with that ability to go out and be the best you can be. And mm -hmm. I think that's the Marines or Army, one of the two. But it's a really good slogan because it says, be proud of who you are, but be the best that you can be out on the trail. And if we think about that, we can also police each other, which we have to be very, very careful about doing and don't approach anybody. But if, if someone you know is doing something that may not be so bright, let them know and yeah. say, hey, this isn't going to look good for us. Yeah, point it out that, you know, this uh, this is the kind of stuff that lose, uh, lose access to trails. So, and, you know, we don't want to do that, do we? That type of thing. So, yeah, I, absolutely. So uh, it, it sounds like to me that, uh, it, you know, you can act out if you want to. And I know you guys try to stay away from uh, the political side of things, but this really is politics. When you're out on the trail, uh, how you present yourself and uh, Jeepers uh, off-road people as a group, uh, that can be twisted and it possibly could be misunderstood. But I think more often than not, it's twisted so it can be used as a political tool to uh, gain what the, the people that are twisting it want to gain, basically the, the closure of the trail, uh, whatever, ba basically keeping you off of it. So just act the best way you can. Uh, you know, you got company. There's company in the house, and your 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 mom's going to beat your ass if you don't act right. Just think of it that way when you're off trail, and, and you'll be good. <laughs> that sounds perfect. So, Amy, uh, tell me, uh, the, the kids, you know how they love the social media? Is Corva on the social media? Do you guys do anything like that? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. We have actually a Facebook page and a Facebook group. The group is an ability for people to write all kinds of experiences so everybody can sort of chime in and see what they're uh, talking about, what they're finding out on the trail. And, and because California is such a large state, we don't always know where the next closure is going to come from. Mm -hmm. And we rely on people who are in the Cleveland National Forest, which is outside of San Diego and is, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours from Sacramento. We rely on the people who may be on a trail system there and all of a sudden they see um, a sign that says trail closed. They get in touch with us and they say, hey, they take a picture of it. They'll post it. Um, it's really important that we all communicate with each other. So Instagram is uh, something I'm not proficient at, but I have great guys that do it. Uh, guys, of course, being non-gender specific, because mm -hmm. we have a crew, the social media crew. And I think our Instagram is c.o.r.v.a. Well, that just with, rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> with no dot after it. The A doesn't have a dot, and I don't know why. Well, it's, 
we'll add interesting we'll, question. We'll, we'll have that all in our show notes uh, so you folks don't need to write that down right now you can just go to no. jeeptalkshow.com and see that in our show notes for this episode so uh now you've already mentioned several things that people can do is there more that people can do for corva do you guys do volunteers do do you have people come in uh, donations uh is there th- donations is a really big part so the issues that we're dealing with right now are actually um very serious. One of them is a threat to close what we know as Pismo Beach, but is actually Oceano Dune State Vehicular Recreation Area. Um, there is a uh, there are a series of state parks. It's actually California is very rich with state parks. We have about 280 state parks. Um, nine of them are state vehicular recreation areas. Oceano Dunes is one of those, and it is. Actually, there's another very, very small place in Northern California. We can drive on a very small portion of beach. But Pismo Beach has, uh, we have pictures going back of motorcycles riding on the beach. I think it was 1927, that long ago. So it's a historical, historically important area for off-road. And we have been literally attacked uh, and by forces that want to close because they believe California should be um, more advanced than to allow vehicles on a beach. And it's not, there's all kinds of accusations of what the vehicles might be doing on the beach, but there's actually, it's a lot of hot air. Well, you know, bruising sand is a real thing, so. (laughs) Well, you know, there's some uses (laughs) <laughs> every use has a consequence, and as oh, every use will leave some kind of footprint. So will vehicles on a beach, but so will development. So will uh, oil rigs, of which there are uh, south of Santa Barbara. There's all kinds of uses. We have 800 and something miles of coastline in California, and there's all different reasons. There's a lot of state beaches. We have one six-mile stretch of coastline that is dedicated for off-road recreation and camping. And so this is requiring a lot of legal help, um, basically because we have to fight. This is just an example, another area where we're really active, and it may not sound uh, for especially people in Texas, but snowmobile access is a big (laughs) thing here. There's not that much snowmobile access, but the people who are dedicated to it are, are really dedicated. They love it. Sure. And there is no reason we will protect their access as much as we'll protect Jeep access, as much as we'll protect dirt bike access. Every form of motorized recreation deserves to be protected. And well, well, life, so we're working on that. And that's another lawsuit that's <laughs> going to come down the line. Well, you know, life is, is all about balance. I mean, a good life is all about balance. And that's really what you're talking about is everybody has their thing they want to do. And if it can be put in balance where everybody can enjoy themselves in a, in a proper way, that's the way it should be done. It shouldn't be closed off for folks. So I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I think that's great. Uh, what you're doing, what Corva's doing, and uh, even though I'm over here in Texas and you're in California, if you can win in California, then other places around the country uh, can use your same model and, and win in their states. Uh, so uh, I hope I uh, hope you guys are, are very successful, continue to be so, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be watching and uh, keep those keep those trails open in California. There's no telling when I might be invited back. 
you can always come come visit we'll take you up to the rubicon it's a standing oh, uh, standing offer i just that. have to find a jeep for you but <laughs> I, i'll tell you the secret to what i do and it's it's hard sometimes it's thankless sometimes uh, we don't win sometimes we do win but the luckiest person in this really is me because i get to meet people like you and people like paul and people like don and so many others around the state these are literally the nicest most giving people i have ever met they're just pretty special people when you get to know them and so in a way i fight hard for everybody but I feel really lucky just to know these people. Yeah, it's it's like us when we when I get to meet a listener, it's just great actually seeing that person interacting with them. Uh, so I get the feeling it's kind of the same way with you. You helping uh, uh, thousands uh, uh, of people, uh, but when you actually get to meet some of the folks that you're helping, it just it makes it makes it more real, makes it more. Um, uh personal and I, I like that aspect it was great uh coming up there and, and, and meeting you guys i mean i'd talked to don before but never met him but uh so got a chance amy i want to thank you so much for being with us kept you a little long tonight but uh gosh it's just a very interesting conversation and uh, uh just like whenever we were up there uh at don's uh, uh on his don don's porch and, and talking very articulate, very uh, informative uh, on all the stuff that you have to say, and I'm sure you're going to be very successful. I, I, I bet you're you're more successful than what you feel you are. It's kind of the way I am. Whenever I don't do everything that I want to accomplish, I don't. I feel like I've failed in some some manner. But uh, I bet you're a lot more successful than what you give you credit. I hope so. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Well, thank you again, and uh, we're going to have to have you back on real soon, especially whenever. Uh, uh, something major is happening there in uh, California, and you need to get the word out. I'll let, definitely let you know. Thanks again to Amy Granat for coming on the show to talk about California Off-Road Vehicle Association. And what are else y'all talked about? <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry or know someone who does? Or maybe you would like to be a guest. You, yes, you, on the Jeep Talk Show. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact now and share your idea for our next guest coming up next week shirley campa uh, an avid jeeper who had uh been rescued after getting stuck while wheeling alone in horse thief flats you know it's going to be interesting to find out uh you know i bet you she's been out there alone a thousand times and never had a problem uh what do you want to bet yeah absolutely i think it's going to be some great points for our jeepers to learn from uh, that she will have to share um and uh you know just glad everything worked out everything worked out okay my question is did she su survive on taco sauce oh that would be that would be horrible but it would be fun reading the little taco bell uh you know uh items of uh, uh of interest there those packets yeah <laughs> super food super food i want some taco bell now from the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, the exhaust is so loud on my Jeep now that uh, it's it's I can't get away from it. It's always on my mind. Matter of fact, when I went to bed last night, I had a dream that I was a muffler. Yeah, I woke up exhausted. 
All right, boys and girls, I'll catch you later. You have a good one. Bye. Ben is uh, Ben is sending me video here on the Skype connection. He looks stunned. Nikki G, you stunned one of our guest co-hosts. Oh man, that, that was bad. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little about some events happening in your hometown and in around the nation in Wheeling, where? <laughs> it is gonna, It is a, a, a question, isn't it? Wheeling, where? Well, Ben, I, I certainly appreciate you filling in for Tammy tonight. However, the wig and uh, boobs were not necessary. Uh, you know, I figured I might as well fit the part. Um, I, I'm, I may not be Jeep Mama, but I'll be Yoda Daddy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's better. <laughs> that sounds like it might be worse. <laughs> well, I try. All right, Ben. Uh, actually, Brian, this is uh, this is the part you know well. Uh, what's going on in uh, in your Jeep life? You know, uh, there's a lot of great events uh, out here that are be happening. That is, that will be happening. Uh, that is kind of <laughs> going on. Up. I know I got some guys real excited about the uh, you know Smoky Mountain uh, event coming up, and uh, there's a lot of different club meets. You know, trail activity out here is pretty big. I actually went out to Uwari, uh last week and didn't even wheel. Believe it or not, I actually just spent time and went up to the True Patriot cabin, kind of hung out, uh, you know, nice and quiet, peaceful, got up next morning and, you know, went and took all my rifles out and just zeroed their, uh, my optics, uh, getting ready for the hunting season. So it was, it's been great, but, uh, definitely looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Outer Banks Jeep jam coming up and the, uh, Topsail Island Jeep event. So yeah, it's busy, busy, busy. So when you zero them in, you're talking about you actually shoot at the target and then adjust the adjust them for you know where right. you, where you want to be. At. Okay. Sight the optic. Because uh, I never could understand the the snipers where they they take this the the gun the rifle that's in you know 27 pieces in a nice little case all the little foam and their little parts and they clip stuff on and and the last thing they they put on there is the scope and it shoots perfectly. I've never understood that. How do you how do you actually yeah. put something in? This clip on, and then it's it's perfectly sighted in without actually taking out and shooting it at a target at, at the distance that you're going to be shooting. Well, if you don't have something cheap, it's probably the better way to say it. You actually have, I mean, some of these optics can go up, you know, significantly in oh, thousands yeah. of dollars. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, basically you have your stuff marked uh, for your zero, and you zero at a known distance, and then you make adjustments based off the scope. Uh, you know, if you got a mill dot system, whatever, you make your adjustments off that. Um you know, it's, it's just no different than if, well, I won't say that because then you'll have all these, you know, fancy shooters to talk about. But <laughs> it, it, the variables are, are similar to doing iron sights, except you have a lot more resources with a scope depending on the uh, crosshairs that you have available. I guess it really just depends on uh, the 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 accuracy of the weapon as a whole, which is like MOA, isn't that, isn't it, Ben? I mean, if, you, if you're shooting Minute a, of angle? Yeah, if you're shooting a, a gun yeah. that has a very tight uh, MOA, uh, you can get away with a lot. You don't have to worry so much about the the fractions of an inch. Well, well, here's my gun sport store speaking. A lot of it has to do with the parts and stuff, um, like was mentioned, and then um, the uh, scope mount um, will hold a, a big amount of play into that because if it's going exactly where it was and your barrel's not coming off the receiver, uh, you could stay really close to where you were. 
So you're basically saying if the scope stays attached to the barrel? No, no. If you're, you know, your your receiver and your barrel are, oh, okay. are all yeah. the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that's where projectiles coming from. And as long as your scope's mounting to the same exact place it was on the rifle before, uh, it should hold zero. Right. Close. Close. Yeah. Okay, you to. definitely want to do your markings. You know, depending on what you got a picking or or a different rail system. Uh, you, you definitely. You know, you need to invest it, in it, that. You spend all that time zeroing it, and then you just like don't know where you place it at. Yeah, you'll be back zeroing it. Yeah, a lot. A lot of that comes down to gear. Um, I, I work in a rifle shop, so yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I apologize to our UK listeners. I know you got your finger stuck in your ear and going na 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 na. But uh, I was I was always curious about that. I always thought that that was not uh, not not a realistic thing, a Hollywood thing. So that's good. We we have a little bit better idea. So Ben, what's up with you? Uh, you getting ready to sell that Toyota and get a Jeep? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so um, uh, I actually right now I'm limping around with a broken ankle, wanting to go out wheeling. Um, but uh, no, I I I made that switch from Jeep to Toyota, and I, I miss some things like taking off my roof and taking off my doors and not getting pulled over for it. <laughs> um, I, th- there's, there's some Jeep things I miss. Um, I still have all my Jeep friends. Um, but now we have re- even more reasons to give each other crap. And, oh yeah. And my vehicle right, is right. even that more reliable. So, uh, but you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't drive well enough off road where you have, don't have to get out and hook up the winch. I'm, I guess I'm hearing cause you, you have a, a bad ankle. Oh, I get stuck all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got jumped by, you know, jeepers. No, it, of, you know what? Because in a Traitor. jeep, you know, you don't have to get out, and, uh, it, and a, a bad ankle won't hurt you a bit. You just drive all the way through, You're all the way back home. If you go on the Offer Podcast <laughs> YouTube channel, there's probably more videos of me stuck than anyone else. Well, if you don't get stuck, you're not trying, right? Uh, uh, you know, I, we did an interview with Scott Brady. Um, he's the producer of. Um, the uh overland journal um expedition portal mm-hmm. um and he's he, he his philosophy that he talked about was it's fun getting stuck because you you learn more and it's more of a puzzle getting stuck than if you just sit in your rig all day going down the trail i like getting stuck now i look at it as a challenge and, and having like a worn winch up front i know that if i get stuck i've got a, a damn good chance of getting out have you thought about uh, installing a, uh, a a winch in the rear, or maybe getting one of those uh, two inch little receiver cradles so that you could pull that out and, and winch yourself in the rear? Rear rear out seems to be a lot better than uh, winching forward. Winching reverse seems to be a lot better. You know, I with the amount of space behind my uh, bumper, like underneath, because uh, I've got a spare tire underneath uh-huh. that's going to eventually end up on a tire carrier. That thought has crossed my mind. Um, so I might be the first fourth gen forerunner with a, a rear, rear hidden winch mount. So we'll see. No, that would be nice. That would be really sweet. Of course, you'd probably never get stuck again. Just Murphy's law. Cause you have yeah. all these ways of getting out now. <laughs> uh, especially if I go up to like 35 inch tires. I mean, those, those, I mean, granite 37s are the new 33s now, uh, according to everyone oh, everywhere man. now. Well, it's, that- it's bad. I was uh I got to I got to wheel on some thirty sevens, uh some of the Nexian thirty sevens out there, uh Big Bear Lake, uh California. And uh 
Uh, it was just a blast, just so much fun. And uh, as soon as I got home, you know those Jeeps uh, that uh, that we were in had uh, uh, help me out here. Uh, the Curry Enterprise uh, is it Rock Jock? Anti, yeah, the Anti Sway. No, the the axles, the uh, 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 Rock Jock sixties. Uh, I, I think, think so. I think so. Uh, and oh God, I got back and I was pricing those damn things because they were just awesome. <laughs> and I was, just keep dreaming. I know. I was pricing them. And I went, no, nope, no, nope, uh, that that's not my budget. Uh, it's like eight yeah, grand, nice bills. nine grand or something. Oh, very nice. I love that TJ. They were uh, uh, a JK, a JKU, and a TJ. And I don't know what year it was, uh, but uh, it, it was a lot like the uh, 2003 that my wife has. And it was just so much fun to drive. I I did not want to relinqu- relinquish uh, my seat at all. I just wanted to drive, drive, drive. It's it's lucky that I took any pictures at all. Uh, I don't see how these Japanese tourists that go out with the, you know the three cameras around their neck whenever they're on uh, on vacation. I don't see how they do it. Uh, to me, that just means you're not experiencing the the being there as as well. Uh, although I do miss having the pictures after it's over. Yeah, I, I I I know what you're talking about with the camera thing. I carry a camera around for just doing the Instagram thing and all that for the right. podcast. And uh, I have a hard time when I go wheeling. I'll get like maybe 15 pictures, and it's generally someone's stuck or something interesting. It's like there's a really cool spot here I could park. I might grab a picture. It's like I'm just going to keep enjoying the journey. Yes, it's so hard. You need a crew. Yeah. You're like me. You need uh, and Tammy too. She needs a film crew to follow her around to, to get all those things, and then we could just bitch at them for not doing enough, uh, taking enough pictures. Oh, it's it's nice having a crew. I had uh, Jeremy on the podcast. He rode with me a couple times, and one time he actually followed on his uh, dirt bike, and we got some amazing oh, video. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that bitch, that was great. Yeah, we went um, wheeling in Tahuya, and we had him. Um, he was just, well, originally we were trying my scooter um, off-road there, that didn't work out too well because it was too wet. Um, <laughs> though I digress. Uh, but we hopped. Uh, we hopped in. I hopped in my Toyota and we took a trail, um, just to speed through it real quick, just to get some wheeling in. And it, it the cool angles that he could get, and he caught like this awesome video, uh, just me teeter tottering with my rear wheel up in the air. It was like nice. That's you know, had it been like GoPro strapped to the hood, that wouldn't have been no. seen. Yeah. Right. Right. You really have to have video shots from external. It's it you know it, you can do a pretty good job getting internal even external shots that are close to the rig, but having that uh, that wide shot uh, as the professionals would say, uh, so that you can cut to is just it makes it just so much more interesting. You know who does a? I don't know if you if you guys watch this or not. You may not uh, Ben, because it's uh, it's Jeep specific, but uh, Brad over at um, Trail Recon. Uh, kind of brain uh, brain farted. Oh, I like. Name. I love Trail Recon. He does a wonderful job uh, setting up the camera shots and stuff, and the editing of it. Uh, this really, really nice, and uh, it, it's almost like a professional deal uh, that you'd see on television. And it, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking about uh, the Trail Recon uh, on YouTube, guys. If you haven't checked it out, right. you should definitely check it out. You know, he bought a, a red uh, Rubicon Jeep truck, and he's outfitted. <laughs> uh, I think that's the opposite. Uh, and he's outfitted it for a overland uh, rig. And uh, you should go over there oh, and look yeah, at. That's right. Yeah, you go over there and look at some of the the features that the Jeep truck has. They are really out. Jeep is really doing a good job outfitting these things, putting little things in them that you 
Well, I guess they got gotten a lot of grief over the Cherokees not having cup holders for a number of years, and now they're they're really putting <laughs> in some nice things uh, in these Jeeps. Yeah, I, that's uh, I, I keep looking at them and I look at the price tag. Oh God, the price is horrible. Uh, I can buy a, yeah, a brand uh, new yeah, Forerunner for agree. less. Yep. Oh, I know, but it's yeah, not a it Jeep. You know, cheap. Jeeps are hot. That's hey, did you uh, regear your Forerunner? When you know, have you regeared that? No, I'm uh, still uh, 373s, I believe, or 330s. No, yeah, 337s. But you're on or 33s? Uh, yeah, I'm on 33s. That's fine. 370, 373s, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's not too Dyslexia. bad. Yeah, it's, it works great. Um, I'm actually on Jeep Rubicon takeoff, so 32 and a half, sir, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it runs great. Um, and I did it before I even lifted it. No rubbing. Manual, nice. manual or automatic? Auto. Yeah. Manual, you can get away uh, with uh, with not having to re-gear because you can handle it all in, uh, a lot of it in transmission. So uh, automatic, you kind of you kind of stuck with that. If you get the tires too big, you kind of stuck with having to uh, change out the gears and the diffs. But uh, yeah, re-gearing a uh, if like I were to find a Tacoma that had four tens, all I gotta do is swap diffs, and it's a whole lot easier than re-gearing a Jeep. That's for sure. Yeah, it is difficult. That's one thing. You're talking about getting a mechanic uh, earlier, Brian. That's one thing I will not do. Uh, at least Yeah, I don't yet. touch that either. Yeah, Definitely. And I shop around. Oh, that's a big thing. Yeah, there's, there's something. Because you need, like, special tools. Make, make, you know, yeah, it's, it's a science is how I look at it. There's a lot of special tools involved. But uh, depending upon your area, at least uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, I know you can generally re-gear, uh, like... For a thousand dollars, I want to say it is. Is that front and rear or per axle? Uh, I want to say front and rear. I could be That's wrong. It might have changed. That's not too bad, unless you're doing mm-hmm. the. You know, while you're in there, you should do lockers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then the price goes up. <laughs> Join the campfire side chat. Go to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find all the ways you can reach out to us. Now some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. Let us know about your events. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and click and fill out our wheeling wear form. Well, here's one of them. Niagara Jeep Fest uh, 2019, August 24th, all day long at the uh, Niagara Regional Agricultural Society Great Smoky Jeep Invasion, August 23rd through the 24th. At the La Corte Center in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. For more information, more events, and links, visit JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. That's it for the show for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to tell a friend about the show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. People always ask me, what does Route 16 have to do with Jeeps or off-road for that matter? It's easy. Do the math. (laughs) Podcasting since 2010.